0: Hi, this is Amber, and you're listening to Amber on Podcast. Hi, hi, hi. Hi, welcome to episode number 19 of Amber on Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, I have a brand new podcast to cover with you today, and I'm super stoked about it. I love discovering new cool things. That's the best thing that can happen to me is when I discover something new, someone cool, something that's awesome that I can learn from and that I can in turn share with you guys. And I found that in a new podcast. It's fairly new. They've only had they have less than 100 episodes. And when I say they, I have to leave it very vague because they actually don't even really reveal themselves as to who the host is, who the producers are. I'm not sure. I haven't figured it out yet, so maybe you guys can help me out. But the show is called Millionaire Interviews. And it is great. It's exactly how it sounds in that he's interviewing millionaires. And unlike a lot of the other interview podcasts that I listen to and the ones that I share with you guys, he's not overly hype. This isn't a big ego stroke. You know, nothing against the interview podcasts that I listen to, but stylistically, they're all the same. They all act really excited to see their guests. They already have their lists and their questions prepared. They're like overly prepared. They're super prepared. They're ready for anything. And they're just showering the person with compliments. And they're taking them through every turn. And they're, they're you know, waiting on their every breath. And and it's just really, it's an engaged podcast. But you can tell that the person is already impressed by the guests before they even start the show. I hope that makes sense. In this podcast, that's not at all the case. He's not acting as if he's already impressed with you just because you showed up for his podcast, and that might sound crass, but it actually makes it really, really real and really raw because as the interview progresses, the host starts to ask and engage in questions that are really things you would only think about asking maybe your sibling or your very, very closest friend, things about salary, things about your lifestyle, things about different hurdles or just different questions that are a lot more to the point. Than a lot of the other interview podcasts that I've listened to and that I've covered historically. So, if you're interested in a really raw podcast, then I've got one for you here, Millionaire Interviews. And secondly, this episode. Now, I listened to several episodes of the podcast. I like to test out sort of vet podcasts before I come on and cover them for you guys, because if it's an instance where the podcast series only has maybe one or two good episodes, I don't really want to waste your time and spend all this time covering it and give you the history if there's not a lot of meat there. But in this instance with Millionaire Interviews, there is a lot of meat there and the interviews are all really, really great. They're all really, really raw and you get a lot of great benefit out of them. So you will definitely want to go over to Millionaire Podcast, download, subscribe, whatever you need to do to give it a listen. But in this episode, this very special numero uno episode that I'm going to cover of millionaire interviews is about a very, very successful millionaire, a guy who invented a wonderful product. A male sex toy and I know what you're thinking Amber you already covered the fleshlight you already covered the male sex toy but you guys I have very 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 good news my sweet angels I have more good news to report that there exists another a second male sex toy manufacturer and entrepreneur that I'm going to discuss here with you so without further ado let's start the show You know, my goal is to be an ethical and responsible human being. And I think that if you're listening to this show, you probably are interested in doing the same. So for that reason, I think it's my duty and my honor to share with you a young gentleman. His name is Brian Sloan. Brian Sloan. Now, he is the person who's being interviewed on this episode of Millionaire Interviews, and he's super cool, super down-to-earth. Now, I mentioned before about how there's no ego involved on this podcast, and this episode is no different. These dudes are just sitting down, having a regular conversation. Neither of them wants to lick the other one's taint. Nobody's that impressed with the other one. They're having a real, matter-of-fact conversation. It's very even, and for that reason, it's very enjoyable. Like I said, I'm going to fangirl the interviewer a little bit more. But he's sort of like the way Larry King is. When Larry King interviews, he's just very matter of fact. It's not about offending or not. It's just, you know, it's not a lot of emotion in it. We're just asking questions here. We're getting to know each other. And I have, and I want real information to deliver to the listeners or the viewers. And this is no different, except for the interviewer actually prepared little history on Brian Sloan, who's being interviewed, who is the inventor of the male sex toy. Brian Sloan, he originally went to law school, like so many of the entrepreneurs that I see study and cover on this show. He went to law school, and then eventually he decided that law school wasn't for him. Why did he decide law school wasn't for him, like so many other entrepreneurs? Well, he decides that it's not for him because he sees how much work is involved and what the payoff is. He's like, I'm not going to really break the bank, you know, make millions and millions of dollars being a lawyer. That happens to be his interest. He wants to make a lot of money, and he wants to have great success, and he thinks he's going to be pigeonholed, going to be working way too hard for not big enough of a payoff by being a lawyer. He's like, you have to run your brain on full capacity 100% at all times and lawyers do really, really, really hard work. I think that that also is what's really attractive to people about being a lawyer. I know I also wanted to be a lawyer at a time in my life and I think that it's really desirable and it seems like a great profession to go into because it is so complicated. It's so complex. There's such a high, well, there's such a big learning curve. I think that people are really drawn to things that are complicated and things that are going to get them to the next level, things that they're going to be able to level up on, whether it be their career or their knowledge. And law is such a universal thing, you know, countryside, that to be an expert in, that I think gives you a really, really solid feeling of that level of success and achievement. And I think that that's what entrepreneurs and people who want to be lawyers end up having in common is because you want to ultimately be able to achieve that high, high level of success success, achievement, and genuine understanding of the world that's going on around you. I digress. So Brian wanted to be a lawyer, and he gets about midway through law school before he realizes that he's not quite sure if this is the direction that he wants to go into. So he starts to think of a plan B. His plan B ends up being buying and reselling on eBay. So he goes out to auctions, bankruptcy auctions, estate sales, and picks up vintage shops, things like this, and picks up items and is able to resell them on eBay for five, six, seven, eight, nine times the value that he purchased purchase them for. Now, this is taking place in the early 2000s, and so he's getting some great traction. This is when eBay is first starting out, and he's able to source great items for a fantastic return. One of the best returns comes when he goes to a bankruptcy auction at a restaurant, and inside this restaurant are all these antique signs, uh, license plates, and just old signs that he's able to purchase for a total of $8,000 and turns around and resells that for $30,000. Now, the end of his law school comes around. He decides he's not going to be a lawyer. Again, He's too much work for the payoff, and he's already making a significant amount of money doing this side job, this plan B that he has. So let's take that and see where we can go with it. Now, this is an important junction here because I say it very flippantly, but deciding to go to law school and then not deciding to become a lawyer is quite a big idea. It's a big deal. It's quite a big deal. And having a big reinvention like that of yourself or a course correction, I, I want to highlight that because when you experience something like that, like Brian did and like I did when I decided to, re, you know, take a different path in my life, it is. Is huge, and it means that not only a transformation for yourself, but often the world around you. So, what ended up changing for me is I had different friends, I had a different lifestyle, I went into different things, I had different goals, and that's really jarring. So, I don't want to—I don't want to cover that. I don't want to say that that's a light—a light decision to make. So, if you are out there and you're trying to decide, you know, if you want to go in a different direction. Or you've decided that the thing that you're working on is not where your heart's at and you want to go somewhere else. I want you to know that it's possible. It's scary as fuck, but it's possible. And that's how people get their dreams accomplished. That's how you get this stuff done. You listen to other people's stories and you see that they were on the wrong path and they actively chose to pick another path. And it's highlighted in almost every entrepreneurial story that I hear. And they were on one specific path and they decided to go another route because they knew they weren't going to be happy on this path. It's having the foresight. It's having the understanding of where you are and where you could be, where you will be in another 10, 20 years and understanding whether or not that looks like the life that you want to have. I think that that takes a lot of courage and I think it takes a lot of awareness of yourself and knowing where you are and where you're going yourself to and what you and what what you will be eventually. So, fortunately for Brian, he is has this the presence enough to know that this this being a lawyer wasn't the life for him and he was really interested in buying and selling, buying and selling and being able to make a good profit margin on that. So, he's selling mostly antiques during this time after law school and this is the early 2000s and you know people are starting to slowly catch on as far as uh, sourcing in China goes and getting all the, you know some of the brand and merchandise there. Now, for you guys that don't know what brand merchandise means. This is one of the reasons why I love this show so much, the the Millionaire Interview Show, because when... Brian mentions branded merchandise in the show. They go into detail with the interviewer, goes into detail with him about what branded merchandise is. And I'll share that with you guys now. So, branded merchandise is anytime you have a physical brand that's being marketed on the item. So, Target, for example, they have a bunch of little knickknack things that are all just, no, they don't have any like little hairbrushes and little pins and stuff. They're not branded. They don't know, you're not looking for a specific brand hairbrush when you go there, a specific brand pin. Those are not branded items. Now, if you look at something that is branded, it's going to have have the specific brand attached to that item. So a branded brush would be like a Con Air brush. A branded hairpin would be like a Conair Air handpin. That's a horrible example, but let's use a better one. How about a Fleshlight? A Fleshlight is a branded male sex toy. And the Auto Blow is a branded male sex toy. The Auto Blow is the toy that Brian invented, but we'll get there in just a moment. So back to branded merchandise. Brian decided to source branded merchandise from overseas in China and now, this is something that's pretty commonplace that people do is they'll buy, you know, a thousand, I don't know, koozies and they'll put their brand name on it and that becomes their branded koozie versus just having a blank one. Um, and so this is a big business strategy these days. People are pretty successful at this point in being able to easily manufacture, produce and ship or drop ship from China. Now, back in the day when Brian was getting started, this was pretty new and he was one of the first people to really to really have success in finding a niche product he could really build from and and get legs And his niche products end up being human bones, go figure, and fetish latex, hooray. And so the fetish latex scene ends up taking off a little bit more for him than the human bones. And Brian, you know, he hedges his bets and he starts to do a little bit more research and get a little bit more involved in the sex industry as a whole. He starts to source a few different products, starts to also develop a website. He develops a website with a bunch of kids from Romania. Brian moves to China so he can be closer to these factories and he had made a bunch of friends there. They were all expats and they were all over there. It was like a mini Silicon Valley, like all these entrepreneurs and all these people with great ideas were over there really making things happen. And Brian says that he had the idea. He had the understanding that, you know, anything could happen there. That working in China with these these expats and entrepreneurs just has a feeling that, you know, anything was possible. And as long as they were willing to put in the work and actually do some actionable steps so they could build anything and there was success happening all around him. That's one of the favorite things that I enjoyed about this interview, actually, is Brian's description of what life was like in China during this time. And he says that all the expats really formed a community. So anybody that was living outside of their country and and happened to be in China at that time but not from China, they felt formed a really close community. And they were all really willing to share. And they were open to each other's ideas and helping each other. Like the best idea of how we should be all getting along and building things today And this is pre, you know, cell phone. This is pre Facebook. This is pre Google. And here we are today. We have access to all these things, and sharing is so limited and so convoluted and so sneaky when brian was explaining exactly what it was like to be in china during this time and that all these people were coming together to build and to support i just felt such like a yearning from that i just every time i meet somebody who who is interested in building and interested in the work that i'm doing and the message that i'm spreading and and really focused on you know modeling their lives after these great entrepreneurs and people that i really admire when i meet people who are like minded i am just so thrilled to have an entire community of people who are all building around you is my dream come true I mean, be still my heart. So it makes all the more sense that he would be so inspired to continue to grow this business because he's surrounded by like-minded people, not just people who are doing the same thing he's doing. He has other friends that are, you know, in the hospitality industry or, you know, some friends that own cafes or whatever it is they're doing. They're all doing different things. But he has the time, the inspiration, the dedication to develop a new idea. And what is this new idea? Well, after doing some exploration, some research in the sex industry, he comes to across the autoblow and it's under a different name at that point but still the autoblow and it's a automatic blowjob machine for men to masturbate with. And you know me, I love anything having to do with sex, but especially a automatic blowjob machine. I mean, hello, off day. So he finds his automatic blowjob machine, but it needs some help. Like, it's not really the best thing. It definitely needs some improvements, okay? So he doesn't have money to find a, a manufacturer and put all these improvements for all these R&D, for all this R&D to figure out how to get this automatic blowjob machine to actually work properly. So what does he do? He starts an Indiegogo campaign. He makes a clever fucking video. He jumps on Indiegogo. He's like, look, I want to make this blowjob machine. I need $40,000 in order to get this thing made. And then everybody could buy a blowjob machine. Right, exactly. So he's a success. Of course, he raises over $300,000 to produce a better version of the autoblow. And that becomes the autoblow too. It's a love story, guys. Just say yes. And I must say, what a beautiful example of business building. You just take a broken blowjob machine, you remake it, and boom, you're a success. Something like that anyway. One of the key things that I love about this show are the, the points that he brings up about business specifically. And I say business specifically in that Brian's business, Brian Slow, the inventor, let's call him reinventor, redesigner of the Autoblow 2. He ran into some problems, of course, when he's creating a machine that people are gonna stick their dick into. And so he goes through some of those issues, and two of which I wanna highlight now. Number one is something that people do not Talk about, people do not consider, people do not understand, and that is Chinese New Year. If you're doing anything overseas, um, if you're doing any production overseas, Chinese New Year is going to take a big dent out of your, a big chunk out of your production schedule. And people need to be aware of this. You need to look up what Chinese New Year is. You need to understand what happens, what happens to the country during that time and what happens to the workers. January, February, you're going to lose about a month of work, okay? Chinese New Year, everything shuts down for about six weeks. It changes time every year. Somewhere in between January and February, you usually around out there, but not every, not the same time every year. Something you need to plan for, you need to plan ahead, you need to get your orders in way before the... The holiday starts because you have to a lot time for it to ship and then be in the port and all these other things logistically speaking that I could go on and on and on and on and on about because production and shipping is has its challenges and is a, the, again a big learning curve when you're doing any production overseas or you're working in a in a field in a position where you have to accommodate for that so. Any of you out there who are experiencing something, you know, with overseas shipping and you don't understand the process, definitely take a look at Chinese New Year. It's not something I've ever heard discussed before. And I was really happy to hear on this podcast that he was actually getting down in the trenches and asking some real, real questions that I don't hear from other podcasts because frankly, I don't believe that they've been in the trenches anytime recently. I think they have other people that are probably managing that stuff for them and they're not down there dealing with these daily things and having to understand, understand these things. But I can tell you from personal experience that when I encountered these situations or when I I found out this knowledge, it was huge for me uh, when I could actually plan my, not only my decision, my ordering, but also my negotiating around Chinese New Year. I knew people are either waiting on product or maybe they got their product too late because of Chinese New Year. All these things you need to keep in mind when you're running a business. Number two. Number two is to create news around your product. I love this, and I love this because it's a, like, a great opportunity for, you, for anybody to get a little creative, and it works to your benefit. If you can create news around your product, then you have something you can always fall back on, something you can always reference during every pitch, something you can always use as marketing material, something that will always work to your benefit because your product was news. Now, a great example of this is how Brian made his product news, and when you have a product that gives automatic blowjobs, I know what you're thinking, what the hell else do you need to say? Well, in his case, he He wanted to level up. He wanted to take his automatic blowjob, Autoblow 2, and he wanted to add some accessories, make it a little bit more interesting and more personable. So he decides to have a vagina beauty contest. He has a vagina beauty contest, selects first, second, and third place vaginas, and makes a combination vagina insert for his Autoblow 2. It's fucking genius. It got him lots of coverage, lots of opinions, as as you might assume, and I'm gonna include the video of the coverage of this in the show notes because it's definitely worth a watch along with a couple other links that you guys can check out on my website at mytalkingdollars.com slash show notes. I'll include everything there. The marketing video for Autoblow 2 is fantastic along with the link to their website. Like I said, this is the only other branded male masturbation device other than Fleshlight. Fleshlight, Autoblow 2, you heard it here first. I'm here for you guys and girls and to do more good for more people most of the time. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to episode number 19 of Amber on Podcast. I so appreciate it. And if there is anything that I'd like you to take away from this episode, it's number one, act like a foreigner. I think that if we could all be a little bit more open to sharing our ideas and be more present, like like you're in a foreign country, look around, engage, be aware of your surroundings. Maybe you can strike up a conversation and maybe you can do great work with someone. Maybe you can be inspired. Maybe we can create this community of, of, of entrepreneurs and of creators just here in your, in your own city, in your own town. And number two, share. Share and listen. This whole podcast is based on sharing and listening. And it's if other people hadn't shared and if I hadn't listened to those before me, I wouldn't be where I am today. And so if you... If you appreciate this podcast, I would love it if you would share it with your friend, with your mom, with your pals. Let me know how I'm doing. When I started this podcast, it was one of the the best things and one of the worst things I've ever done in my entire life. One of the worst because it scared the shit out of me to have my work and my soul out and available for millions to download on iTunes. And, And the best because I knew that by sharing my knowledge, I might be able to help maybe one person... Be okay or be better than they were before they listened to my show. So it's also the best thing because I was finally able to share my my value and make myself accessible for people, so that I can be of help and of service. So if I have provided any value to you at all, please let me know by subscribing, giving me five stars, leave me your rating. So let me know that I know you see me and my value, and and I, I make this show for all of you. And so I don't know if I'm doing a good job unless you let me know. So. Please let me know. And thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, do more good. Love you. Bye.